Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home and auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I so I thought about trying to cue up some music, and then I thought all of it would probably be over the line for for anything we're going to talk about today. Um, but there, there's a number of news stories involving the Milwaukee Bucks, and strangely enough, the biggest news story in the NBA world involves the Bucks. So we're going to hit on that last. But let's start with the... the I'm trying to th- think of the best way to put this. The specter, the clouds that have been hanging over the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I think for most people, it, those clouds are gone. Derrick Rose has signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, a one-year, $2.1 million deal. Uh, he just gets the minimum, right? That's Is that the minimum for his yeah. age group? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets the minimum in Cleveland. He is not a, going to be a Milwaukee Buck. And, uh, again, I tweeted out when that news first broke, but all signs would point to everything I've seen in my mentions suggesting that Bucks fans are for the most part, very excited that Derrick Rose is not going to be a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, maybe excitement, maybe a bit strong, maybe maybe relieved. Uh, maybe relieved is a better word. Um, I don't I don't know if the Bucks deserve you know not not that not that people are trying to give them credit, but I don't think um, you know we can even afford to be too excited about not signing a guy who didn't seem like a good fit. And um, obviously, you know. For me, I don't know. For many other people, I think for you as well, a guy that just, you know, from what we know of him as a person, just not the kind of person we want to root for on our favorite team. So I was gonna say that too. I, I had a number of people tweet at me like, "Oh, for that price, you wouldn't have taken him." And I was like, "Well, this is, really has never been about the price to me. That that hasn't been what my my disinterest about adding Derrick Rose to the Milwaukee Bucks has been. It's never been." Oh well, they're gonna sign him for too much money. They never had any money to sign him with, so that was never really my concern. Yeah, I mean, I think that made it extra scary because yeah. there was obviously sort of some of that speculation that, well, you know, if they want to offer him more than or even the mid, you know, the full mid level, non taxpayer mid level, um, they would have had to, you know, cut money first. And that, you know, the idea of again having to give up assets to move, you know, a John Henson or something like that 
in order to sign Derrick Rose was just, I mean, that, that no, that, that ain't working. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it works on kind of two different levels. I think for me, just as a starting point, again, I, I, you know, and again, I don't want to rehash all of Derrick Rose's off-court issues. Um, you know, there was obviously the trial last year, which again, he was not convicted of anything, but just unsavory stuff, unsavory stuff, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, that That's just not, I don't know. I mean, it, it just doesn't fit with the character that you love to see with so many of the Bucks' young players and with all the talk about the Bucks and the way they value, um, you know, guys who who are high character guys, the Brogdons, the Giannis's, the Jabari's. Um, it, it just wouldn't have felt right to, to add a guy like Rose, who even aside from some of the specific legal stuff, um, you know, even if you say, well, he, he wasn't convicted, so, you know, why, why holding against him? You know, I mean, the AWOL thing last year where he leaves the team doesn't tell them why. Um, you know, he, it's just sort of hard to, I mean, he, Derek Rose has been a really joyless guy for a long time. Um, he just hasn't been a guy that, I mean, even though you go back to like when he was in Chicago and like he refused to recruit players, like he's just, he's always just a very sort of strange kind of aloof character. Um, just kind of a guy you'd, you'd, I don't know. Like I never just felt like there was any, I don't know. It's just like, he was obviously what he used to be able to do on the court was incredible, but it just, I mean, even think of like his like most spectacular moment was like that game winner he hits. And then it's just like a blank look on his face, which again, like maybe that was him trying to show people that like the moment is nothing and this was nothing and I can hit shots like this, but he's just kind of always been, I think joyless is really good word. Yeah. And, and so let's be clear. So there's sort of the like, you know, I think there's the moral high ground argument and then there's also the kind of he just doesn't seem like the kind of person I want to root for argument on a few different, in a few different ways. And even if you kind of were able to put that aside though, I mean, even if you just do it from a purely coldly calculating, rational, analytical perspective, um, you know, I get the argument that the, well, the bucks need playmakers, you know, the bucks need somebody who can get, get you, get you buckets down the stretch. Right. And the bucks obviously were, you know, few, few teams. I don't think you could, I don't think you could have found a, a team that had a starker difference between, how good they were offensively for you know 45 minutes of a game um, where they were again they were an above average offense and then late in games they just completely fell apart and you know again I think that is as much on Jason Kidd and just sort of some of the philosophical stuff they did I mean we've talked a lot about you know Delhi touching the ball too much late in games and trying to run too many pick and rolls with guys who are not your key guys um, but even if you kind of said well yeah I mean Derek Rose could probably get you shots late in games i guess if if you know if you're down with kind of saying Giannis, you're not the guy late in games which again i'm surprised at how many people seemingly are okay with that side but but even if you kind of put aside the personal stuff even if you put aside you know just look at it purely from a basketball standpoint um he's a guy that hasn't made anybody better for ever basically um he's a guy who's bad at defense and the bucks need to get better at defense again you can argue point guard defense isn't as important anyway but you know, again, clearly a downgrade from either Brogdon or Della Vadova defensively. And then, you know, again, a guy that is, you know, he's not just going to take shots away from Della Vadova, right? I think that was, I think most people viewed it as, well, I want to replace Delhi on the court. First off, I think even if Derrick Rose had signed here, Della Vadova would still play because you have those jet minutes that you had yeah. last year. <laughs> and yeah. so really, what I mean, you're replacing some Delhi shots, but 
mostly you're replacing everybody else shots. You're replacing Giannis shots. You're replacing Chris Middleton shots. You're replacing Greg Monroe shots. And let's be honest, all those guys, uh, you don't want to take shots from. You want to get them more shots because they're very efficient, much more efficient than Derrick Rose was, who, you know, again, is elite at, I guess, hitting mid-range jump shots. But that's really not a very valuable skill in the grand scheme of building an efficient offense. So it's just tough. I mean, he's a guy that I think can fit. I think he could be okay in Cleveland, but, you know, especially, I mean, I guess we'll see here. We'll get into the Kyrie stuff in a minute, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, just in Milwaukee on a young team where you're trying to build for the long term, not trying to squeeze, you know, um, a little, you know, another win or two out of next year at best. I think you should be still trying to build around Giannis. And I'm amazed at how many people, and I guess really not that many, because I think most people certainly that, that I interact with on Twitter really it was only a small minority where we're pro rose and i think most of those are more of just sort of like the well if he's dirt cheap you might as well i don't know might as well get him um but i i just think you know especially in this context of some of the other players on this team he's not going to do anything for those guys he's not going to stretch the court he's not going to make you know he's not going to create tons of easy looks for Giannis or something like that um he's probably actively going to make their lives more difficult take shots away from them we heard about porzingis being pissed off about having to play with rose i mean I don't know. I just don't know why you'd want to sign up for that when the return, the upside, you know, what is the upside here? Derek Rose is your missing piece to being an Eastern Conference finalist. Like, I, I don't is anybody really buying into that narrative? So anyway, and, and I think, like you said, if you want to go past the moral high ground, like if you don't want to take that, which you, you very well could. And I think I largely was there. If you want to talk about it on the court, there's no doubt no doubt that the Milwaukee Bucks need an upgrade at point guard. We've talked about that the entire summer, all of last season. Like that, that is something the Milwaukee Bucks certainly need. But if you're going to make an upgrade, one, be totally sure that it is an upgrade, and two, make it be a true upgrade. Like improving, improving nominally doesn't doesn't just a small improvement on the margins there doesn't do a whole lot for you moving from one of the bottom five point guard groups in the league to bottom seven like that that's not doing anything for you and and i think that's when we talk about Kyrie irving that'll be more what you're seeing you're seeing a true upgrade at the point guard position not just getting just marginally better that that isn't enough for you to go out of your way uh, to go out and get Derrick Rose. And, and like you said, there was so many things about the way that he plays basketball, how he might fit in Milwaukee. Like there were so many questions to that. And I, I just don't know how you see how Kristaps Porzingis felt this past year playing with Rose and how he, I think the word either him or his handlers used was Rose hijacked the offense. Like, I don't know how you can see that and then think, you know what, maybe that could work in Milwaukee. Maybe that could work with Giannis. I just don't, I just don't see where that comes into effect other than you don't like Delhi. And okay, Bucks fans, I get it. Like you don't, that's totally fine. But just, Get, trying to get that very small upgrade to Rose just n- never really seemed worth it to me. So, uh, I, I yeah, get- and, and and there's a solution for for kind of getting Delhi out, and that is have a coach who just plays Malcolm Brogdon more, right? And we saw it maybe a little bit towards the end of the season, but um, you know, if Malcolm Brogdon can play thirty to thirty-two minutes per game, again, I, they're going to probably play some together. But 
realistically, you don't have to do that, right? I mean, you could easily keep Delhi in that, you know, kind of 18 to 20 minute range, something like that, and or less. You know, you could put them at 15, 16 minutes per game, right? I mean, I think Delhi is good enough to play NBA basketball, especially on this on this roster with Giannis and some of the other weapons the Bucks have, but. Um, but you don't have to give him the ball 30 minutes a game. You don't have to give him the ball and have him running pick and rolls late in games. You know, um, it, it's there are easier ways to do this. And and again, um, I, I think it's a plus that the Bucks. You know, I, f- I feel a relief, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe the big, the best part about this is just that you know. And again, we we guessed. I I certainly surmised that this would have been more of a Jason Kidd move. And if anything, this is also I think a positive because. It suggests that at least Jason Kidd can't just sort of have whatever he wants because certainly the Bucks could have offered more than the minimum, not a whole lot more. But even without going to the luxury tax, they could have waived uh, Spencer Hawes, stretched his salary, and and offered Jason or, uh, Derek Rose more than what he got from Cleveland. But you know, we didn't really hear any about anything about the Bucks being interested for the last week or two. Yeah, I'm again. I don't, I don't really know what anything means. Like it was a very political answer. I thought from Kidd, like it wasn't. We're dying to get Derrick Rose, so maybe there is something to that. Um, but yeah, I, I again, I do just think it's again. A, I don't want to say a positive, but signing Rose would have been a negative to me, and not signing Rose again. I don't know if it's positive, but it's certainly neutral, um, and, and certainly I think a sign of kind of making a, a solid decision and not just chasing a big name and trying to add that to your franchise. So uh, I thought that was a good thing. And like I said uh, last week, I will gladly not talk about Derrick Rose until whenever the Bucks play the Cavaliers. And maybe even that night I won't have to talk about Rose that much because maybe he won't do that much. So uh, I, I look forward to not needing to discuss Derrick Rose or how he plays with his teammates or how he fits on a roster uh, for a good long while. So that'll be good. Other news today, before we get to the the larger story in the NBA world, and you know what? It's not even news. So uh, I, I should really go back and edit that out. But again, Giannis is on... A world tour, kind of as he always is. Uh, he's in the Philippines right now, doing some, uh, just doing some interviews in Manila, and uh, I think I'm trying to think what exact thing he's a part of right now. Um, but either way, he, he's over there. He's doing some interviews, and again, because this is something that needs to happen now, um, every answer that Giannis gives to anything is essentially made a referendum on whether or not he wants to remain in Milwaukee, um, which has just become hiring exhausting. Yes. Those, those are all very good words. Um, and I, I, let me, I'm going to read the exact quote, uh, just so we have that out there. So he was asked, we heard the same statement from Kevin Durant that he's loyal to OKC, and last week you tweeted out there's loyalty in your DNA, so how long are you going to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks? And Giannis answered, a lot of people say they're going to stay with the team and decide to move with a different team, but you guys always got to remember, a guy might want to stay with the team, but the team doesn't do the right things or the right moves for the player to become great. Because KD, the only reason he wanted to stay in OKC was to be the champs, right? So did they win a championship? Shrugs. That's why I decided to leave. If he won a championship, garbled. 
Golden State. So always you have to not hate only the player because sometimes it's not up to the player. So, Frank, I would say that is a very political answer. I would say that I've heard Kevin Durant say, I mean, it got to the point where Kevin Durant was saying something positive about Giannis every other week. Um, And for some reason, this became a referendum on Giannis now backpedaling from his originals. I want to stay in Milwaukee statement. And you know what? I figure if we're going to go out and just kind of extrapolate meaning from this, I got to say, Kevin Durant and Giannis sure seem to like each other quite a bit. They they seem to talk about each other quite a bit. They seem to admire each other quite a bit. Kevin Durant's contract is up in the summer of 2019. Last time I looked at the Bucks cap sheet, they might have they might be able to make max space. So, I mean, if we're going to get reckless and go one direction, maybe I'll go the other direction. Maybe <laughs> maybe I think Kevin Durant's coming to Milwaukee in 2019, right? Because I feel like they they have the same amount of responsibility with this. I don't know, a hundred. I don't even think it's a hundred words. It's like seventy-five words. So if we want to go in one direction, I think I'm going to go the other direction. These two just can't. They can't stop talking about each other. They're going to play it with each other at some point. Like they're going to be on the same team. They're going to come to Milwaukee, and we're going to see KD in a Bucks uniform, right? Clearly, clearly, Giannis is is shifting into recruiting mode. Yeah, I mean, there, there's sort of a spectrum here, right? There, there would have been the the easiest non-answer, which would have been. Um, you know, uh, everybody, everybody has to make their own decisions, but I'm excited to be in Milwaukee and just looking forward to the future, right? That would have been like the easiest, most uncontroversial answer. Giannis didn't give that answer. Okay, fine. There's the middle of the road answer, which I think is more or less what Giannis gave. And then, you know, there would be the other answer, which would have been like, you know, much more like, you know, clearly, um, talking up the opportunities of leaving and players having to do whatever they need, blah, 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 you know, something like that. Right. And obviously the fact that this was couched sort of through the lens of, um, what about, what do you think about Kevin Durant? And as you said, um, Durant has been very complimentary of Giannis bringing him up, you know, in a couple of Bill Simmons interviews and, you know, really throwing Giannis's name around in very complimentary ways. I mean, it would have been weird certainly if Giannis had said anything negative about Kevin Durant or, or would have cast Durant's decision in a negative light. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no real reason for him to do that other than if you yeah. just wanted to, you know, play to Bucks fans, you know, heartstrings. <laughs> it would have like, been very strange. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, it, th- there's nothing here. I mean, I've, I, we shouldn't have talked about it this as much as we have. But I feel, you know, we felt like we had to say something because we were recording and it was, you know, on Twitter. And, no, I'm and, happy I ridiculed it. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. I think that was necessary. And, and I guess this is the big thing. If you think Giannis is going to blindly remain a Milwaukee Buck, he's going to have blind loyalty. He will not care how bad the Bucks make decisions. He won't care if, I mean, as we've talked about this summer, the last month has not gone well. So if this pace, if this standard remains for the remaining four years of his deal, yeah, Giannis might not be back in Milwaukee. But... Is is that something you'd suspect? Do you think it's going to remain that bad? Do you think it could get better from here? Like, if the Bucks give him a reason to stay, he will stay. And if they don't, and if they're a mess, well, then you know what? He's not going to stay. So, uh, again, someone said, I can't remember who tweeted at me, but it was like, this is only news if 
you thought Giannis was going to stay with the Bucks no matter what, no matter how many injuries happened, no matter how many bad decisions happened, no matter how many coaches he went through, no matter how many GMs they hired, no matter how many times they changed ownership, no matter how many arenas they got. Like if if you thought he was going to stay no matter what, barring nothing, n- nothing could take him out of Milwaukee, then maybe this was news. But if you have that vision of Giannis, I'm, I'm sorry. Then that's that's not realistic. Yeah, so it's it's just, you know, again, the Bucks have an incentive to run their business well and build their team well and win games and make Giannis happy. So we're we're where we were, you know, the moment, you know, we're, where we were since the day Giannis showed up, except obviously we, you know, we didn't know exactly how good he was going to be when he showed up. But yeah, I mean, guys are going to stick around until you stop giving them a reason to stick around and you no longer have the ability to keep them around. And um, so we'll see. But again, you know, we're talking about four years from now. Um, you know, and, and, and I think there, there is something to write that and the whole clock is taking things. Sure. You know, you don't want to wait until the guy's about to potentially leave to address the potential that a guy might leave, right? That's how you end up in a situation where a guy walks and you get nothing for him. Obviously you're much better off. Um, like we've seen, right? Paul George, sort of a, a year and a half probably before, uh, his contract is up starts to become obvious he doesn't want to stay in indiana the pacers hang on through the last tra- trade deadline keep him into this summer and probably could have gotten more for him it sounds like but they ended up getting a pretty bad deal because he's an expiring contract and everybody thinks he's going to la um you know it, there are ways to handle this better than than others the the bulls i think could have gotten a lot more um they could have also used assets you know the, they could have probably picked better assets to get back um but you know it, it happens right and so we hope that doesn't happen with Giannis um but l- why don't we get into Kyrie Irving because he's obviously another interesting example of a guy who still has a couple years left on his deal um and his team has won games <laughs> his team has won a championship with him um and as we spoke over the weekend um that has not prevented Kyrie from getting to the point where you know some combination of having to play second fiddle and Robin to LeBron James, Batman slash uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers being, you know, if you thought the Bucks were a shit show, I mean, the Cavs sort of have stolen whatever thunder the Bucks may have had there and uh, really run with it this summer. Dan Gilbert not bringing back David Griffin, um, seemingly having Chauncey Billups lined up and then not offering him enough money to the essentially point just continuing to be Dan Gilbert, Dan, Dan Gilbert being Dan Gilbert, <laughs> um, which is good if you're trying to run a mortgage company, I guess, but not if you're, you know, trying to keep a, uh, steady, steady ship uh, in a basketball organization. And, um, you know, whatever the reasons, uh, and whatever the contrib- contributing factors might be, Kyrie Irving, um, as we found out on Friday afternoon, uh, made his, his interest in being traded uh, known to the Cavs, I guess a couple of weeks ago, it's now out in the open and obviously there's been a lot of chatter uh, over the last few days. We gave you our initial thoughts over the weekend and I thought it was interesting. I mean, the t- today being Monday was the first day we saw sort of a lot of written stuff on it from the likes of Zach Lowe. We heard probably more, more, more interestingly, a podcast between Zach and Brian Windhorst who broke the original story and I thought the most interesting thing was just this, the, the sense that both guys got. And there was another article about the Derrick Rose signing, basically making it sound like Kyrie Irving is gone. Um, but certainly the indication seems to be that that Kyrie Irving does get traded. That, you know, again, they could just 
sit him out and say, you got two years left on his deal. We're, we're going to make this work. You know, we're not going to trade you. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the message that we're hearing from people who know a lot more about this stuff than we do. And um, certainly that only makes it more interesting to think about not only what deals the Cavaliers might get and how the Cavaliers might best approach uh, this situation. LeBron James saying he's not he's he, he will not be waiving his no trade clause. So it seems like his expectation is that the Cavs continue to build around him, at least for this coming year. And then who knows what LeBron was going to do. Um, maybe that's another reason why Kyrie might not be so thrilled with sticking around Cleveland, being on sort of year to year LeBron watch or day to day LeBron watch. Um, but certainly I think everything we've heard the last couple of days since this story broke only makes it a more interesting topic and, um, makes it a more worthwhile conversation for not just, you know, teams around the league to think about what kind of uh, package Kyrie Irving might fetch, what the Cavs might be looking for, but also specifically the Bucks. How might the Bucks fit into this? Is there a deal that, that the Bucks might be able to make that would be appealing to Cleveland and actually be worth it from a Milwaukee standpoint? Because, uh, obviously, you have to be really careful. You know, LeBron, Kyrie is not LeBron. Kyrie is not Kevin Durant. Kyrie is not Steph Curry. He is not mortgage everything you potentially have in the future for. Um, but he is certainly an interesting guy. And I don't know. Has have you has your opinion changed? Like, what should we recap some of the stuff we heard today? Because obviously, Brian Windhorst and Zach um, talked a fair bit about the Bucks as a potential suitor. So I think this is where I start. A lot of the time when we do this podcast, you and I are big NBA fans. We watch a lot of NBA basketball. And if there's a large story in the NBA, we're always thinking, okay, how does this relate to the Bucks? Like, in what ways does this affect the Bucks? Because, I, I mean, this is a Bucks podcast. And when we do that, I, there's certainly times where we're shoehorning the Bucks into a topic that maybe they don't belong around. And when I was, when we were kind of spitballing packages, what you would give up for Kyrie, like how you do this in my mind, I was thinking like, you know what? The bucks do have a strong package to offer if they, if they choose to offer that. But you know, this is probably just maybe like the bucks fan in me, like wanting them to be a, like a part of a bigger story. And I think it is significant that, those two guys specifically uh, among the most well-connected people in the league mentioned the exact same thing that the bucks are a part of this that the bucks package would be competitive that all these things could happen and somehow the bucks could be involved and i guess that's just not something i'm really used to i think that was mentioned earlier this year or actually earlier this year earlier this week or last weekend when Someone mentioned, I think I follow some Wolves writers, and they're like, somebody requested a trade to Minnesota. Like, that, what, what? Like, that doesn't happen. What is going on here? And I think, kind of in the same way, like, the Bucks are a significant part of this. Like, the, that was the deal, like, they kept coming back to describing a package that would work why that package would work, what that package brings. And I don't know, it's just a weird shift to me that now the Bucks are a part of this. And I, I can't, I have to say, that's I, that feels significant. Yeah, I mean, in, I think it's interesting to look at um, some of the other teams, right? I mean, you can look at the Spurs and say, in terms of the teams that Kyrie voiced an interest in, and the Bucks are not one of those teams, right? 
and I think that's a key variable, which we don't really have a sense for at this point, which is really important, right? Because again, Kyrie might have a couple years left, which, you know, as, as Zach Lowe was pointing out on his podcast today, that's about as good as you're going to, as about as well as you're going to do when you're trying to acquire a star player. Like a star player is not going to be available at the trade deadline of, you know, this year that they sign a four year contract, right? Like, the, the the best you're going to probably see is that a guy, you know, for some reason something happens and maybe he's available, you know, going into the third year of his four-year deal or something like that, right? Um, and Kyrie has a fifth-year player option, so he technically has three years, but obviously everyone expects him to opt out because he's he's got an uh, an under-market contract. So, um, so I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, Minnesota, a team that normally hasn't been in it, they acquired Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler and Kyrie apparently are pretty close. Kyrie decides, oh, well... You know, that team's pretty good. Um, they're not so good. They don't have like a dominant personality or player such that he feels like he would have to be, again, sort of the, the Robin to somebody's Batman. Even though, as we talked about, would you take Kyrie Irving over Carl Towns? Nope. nope. Would you take Kyrie Irving over Jimmy Butler? Nope. I was just thinking, too, have fun telling Jimmy Butler he's not the man. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Well, I mean, but but that's the thing, right? I mean, they they have a friendship, and I don't know how much of it's USA basketball related. Yeah. Um, but uh, but again, they have a relationship, and that now because they acquired again one star player, they now are in the market for potentially getting another one. And there was talk that um, Kyrie would have been interested in going to Chicago if not for the fact that the Bulls traded uh, Jimmy Butler. Which you know, I don't know how Bulls fans feel about that uh, versus where they are right now, but. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, again, it, it, you have to sort of start the snowball rolling. Um, and suddenly you reach a point where, oh, suddenly now guys want to play for you. And, um, I don't know if the Bucks necessarily are at that point yet. They're not on Kyrie's short list yet, but you would expect, and again, I have no idea if, if Giannis and Kyrie are, are close. Um, I think we know that, that Kyrie follows Giannis on Twitter. I know there was some talk of the weekend where, folks trying to figure out you know when did Kyrie follow Giannis and John Henson and and Deli and stuff on on Twitter and Instagram and and whatever and I, I don't I, I can't give you the forensics on that did the sluice uh, uh, did they ever get to the bottom of it no I don't think oh. I think they were pre-existing it was not new from what I can tell I oh, think I think so it was a way it was a waste of time <laughs> I guess um so so I, I mean, it's tough to say but but in theory at least you can obviously make a case that um Kyrie would actually fit very well with with Giannis and the rest of this roster, and and maybe there is a universe where, um, you know, Kyrie would look at at the Bucks. I would think it might be this universe where, given the options, right? If if the Bucks did have a compelling offer, um, obviously part of a process would be trying to sound out Kyrie and his agent on, well, if the Bucks are going to go give up assets, and we can talk about that in a moment. But if the Bucks were going to give up give up assets to to get you, um, how would you feel about that? Would you be excited for that? Would you be immediately leaking stuff to the press about how you were intending to leave in two years at the soonest possible opportunity? Um, you know, what, what would that look like? Because obviously that matters. Two years is a long time, but it's also not a long time. And uh, if you gave up a bunch of stuff for Kyrie Irving, you know, we talked a bit about why that'd be worrying just because of Kyrie's kind of frustrating, uh, frustrating combination of sort of greatness and uh less than greatness in terms of his impact at times um yes. but um but you know obviously regardless of, of what kind of player you're getting whether he was you know the greatest player on earth or not 
you feel a lot better if you think you can you have a good chance of retaining him. And that's obviously a, a question that every team will be asking themselves as they think about, you know, potentially making a package deal for for Kyrie. So um so yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um and uh and I, I don't know, it was kind of funny because um I think it was um the only one person actually brought this up today, and I want to mention it just before before I forget. Um Mitchell Skrzewski. Mitchell, I hope I pronounced your last name right. Um Mitchell brought up the idea of um, not just going after Kyrie just sort of for Kyrie, but getting Kyrie in part as like a building block to getting another guy thereafter. And I think that's a really interesting point to make because you can kind of look at it like when you look at all these super teams that have been built, you know, you don't get Kevin Garnett without making the trade for Ray Allen in 2007 or when that whenever that was. Uh, in Boston, right? And and the Ray Allen trade, trading the number five pick for Ray Allen, on its own, not a, a lot of Celtics fans were not kind of seeing where they were headed with that because that was not a good Celtics team. They had Paul Pierce. There were all the Paul Pierce trade rumors. Then they get Ray Allen. It's like, all right, they got Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Okay. But that enabled Kevin Garnett. And obviously the the Warriors, you know, weren't putting together a championship-level team in order to get Kevin Durant. But obviously that was critical to to kind of getting putting themselves in the position to get him you don't get cp3 without james harden and you don't get cp3 without james harden and and so and obviously now the talk is well how do you get um another guy on top of that and 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 etc etc and and obviously now they're today bill simmons was talking about carmelo anthony being open to moving to okc and is mellow open to going to okc if it's just russell russell westbrook Mm, i don't know about that probably not we didn't hear about this until they got paul george so having the second guy is probably like the prerequisite to getting the third guy, especially given how rare it is to, you know, have really the financial flexibility to kind of easily do this. Right. Like, you know, I mean, unless you're a Boston or Philly where you just have so many assets that you can just, you know, throw them around and, and get guys who may not have any interest in coming, coming to your team. Um, it, you know, you're going to want to have, um, some type of assurance and some interest from that guy before you uh, go ahead and, and trade for him. So I, I thought that was an interesting kind of piece to this conversation as well. And I thought Brian Windhorst brought up as well something that was interesting, which was just sort of the marketability of Kyrie and what he brings sort of from an off-court standpoint, which, I, again, I don't think that... I mean, we didn't talk about it. I wouldn't say this is, you know, one of the top... 10 things that you'd want to factor into the calculus but if you're trying to kind of get you know the ownership buy-off and it's like 50 50 and part of the argument is well you're definitely going to sell you're you're going to sell out this building way more with this guy because of the appeal he has you're going to like expand the appeal of your team much more broadly regardless of whether or not you actually win more games but this guy is going to open up you know new business for you on some level um I do think that matters on to some degree, right? And and it shouldn't dominate anything, but um, but it is interesting with Kyrie. I think I wanted to raise those two things because we really didn't talk about them over the weekend, and partly for good reasons. Other, you know, I think especially the the kind of building the super team angle. Um, I, I think we we just sort of never got to that point, but uh, but I do think it's relevant in sort of figuring out like, well, if you're the Bucks, what would you actually even think about giving up for this guy? It's interesting you mentioned the business stuff because, as you mentioned, and as Windhorse mentioned, Kyrie Irving moves shoes and he sells tickets, and well, there's there's a guy on the team that's looking for a new shoe deal, 
and looking to sell tickets and I would have to assume looking to become a bigger brand, having a, a bit older mentor for that type of, type of thing might not be the worst thing for him. Uh, so uh, I do think all of that stuff kind of plays. And when uh, I, I'm trying to think back to the Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant thing, like that was the thing for those shoe, shoe companies as well. Like they were like, okay, let's get KD on the Warriors. Nike was thinking, and then oh, maybe Under Armour doesn't sell quite as many shoes. Uh, like these are all very much things. Uh, and we I, we've seen a couple articles about it, but Giannis is trying to figure out a new shoe deal. Uh, so maybe that is something that appeals to him. Uh, that's not something that he's ever really voiced publicly, but that's certainly something as you're trying to think of how to build your brand. And again, I know people don't like to hear that. They want to hear us talk about whether or not you're going to win basketball games, but that is very much something that plays into, I mean, just about everything players do. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the finals, the two, the two commercials after after Durant wins are both Durant commercials. And the night after Westbrook wins his, after he wins the MVP, they go to a commercial break and it's two Westbrook commercials. Like all this stuff matters. So uh, I, I, that, was, that was kind of where my thought went. Not that uh, I'm sure ownership would be excited that they're going to bring in a guy that has his own brand, is someone that you can market, can sell more tickets, can sell more shoes, all those things. But that also might be attractive to Giannis. And and that's something I don't think you really factor into the calculus, but it does factor into it. Uh, so I do think that's important. And then in that same line, I think it's difficult in one summer to create a super team. I don't think that's that's really something that can just kind of happen overnight. There's something that you have to build there. So yeah, like you said, you, you're not going to get all three members of a super team or whatever we want to call that grouping of elite players that good teams have. You're not gonna be able to build that without getting a second one. And, uh, as much as I think both of us really love Chris Middleton, I don't think he's on that level. He's just, he's not that guy. He's a really nice player and his contract is great right now and he's a great value, but he's just not on that same level as Kyrie Irving. So uh, I do think all of that kind of plays into it. And it was funny. I was talking about Eurobasket with some friends at work today and it was kind of a frustrating conversation because we were talking about how, okay, it's cool that Giannis could go do that. And like, I, I always enjoy watching the guys from whatever team I'm watching or or really just NBA players in general, playing for their national teams, seeing them play with players you don't normally see them play with. And then it got to the conversation like, Oh man, like you hear all these stories about team USA, just being the 12 best players in America, hanging out with each other. And like active, not, I don't even know. In some cases, actively recruiting them. In other cases, you're just hanging out with other superstars. And you're like, oh man, it'd be so cool to play with this dude every single night. Like, it'd be so great if we were on the same team. And then uh, I, I know they've put out the pictures from I think 2014 where you can s- move all of those players that were on that team to five teams in the entire league, and that's it. So uh, I do think there's something to that, and it's kind of depressing that Greece, uh, though, I'm to- like, like I said last week, I'm totally cool with Giannis wanting to go play over there. Um, there's just not... There's just not that next Greek freak uh, for Giannis to recruit. 
So having someone, like you said, like Kyrie, that is American, that could be hanging out with the Team USA guys, uh, that does have his own like his own brand, sells shoes, does all those things, Like it could be very helpful in that recruitment process. And I, I do think that's kind of where the NBA is going right now. Like you do, you do have to be able to recruit guys and make some sort of pitch for why they should be there. So uh, I do think that's interesting. And then the one other thing I wanted to mention was – Zach Lowe mentioned it, and I tweeted it out, but he said that there's some fans that are balking at trading for a guy for two years, and that's not enough, and you want to have some more. And he said it's not – two years isn't a long time, but it's not a short time. It's like this in-between time. But in reality, that's as much as you're going to get a star for at this point. Like Unless it's your own star that you signed to that contract in a trade, you're not going to get – a star for three years. You might be lucky to get one for two and a half, but two years is about how much you're going to get a star for. And I, I don't know. One thing I thought was interesting today before Zach had dropped that podcast, I had talked with a couple people on Twitter that Chris Middleton's deal is up in two years. Chris Middleton's next contract might not be that pretty. Like this one's very good. No doubt about it. This is a deal and the bucks are getting great value out of this Chris Middleton contract. The next one, I mean, that might be his big payday like because he got paid before the cap bump here. So that might end up being the biggest contract he signs. It'll be just as he's at the end of his prime, maybe leaving it because it'll be 28. Or the season you'll be signing him for will be years 28 through 32, I believe. So you're going to be signing him up to a very serious contract. That might not be the best deal. And I I just think... it's been interesting to watch that as we've started to kind of go through the machinations of a possible Kyrie Irving trade, it's always, well, Kyrie's only going to be here for two years. And it's like, well, Chris's deal is only awesome for two more years. And again, you, you may be able to resign him and maybe you feel more confident in resigning a guy like Chris Middleton than you do a guy like Kyrie Irving. But I do think there's also possibly a higher risk that the next, the next contract that you sign for Chris Middleton is a bad one. While I don't know if that same level of uncertainty exists with Kyrie Irving. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's just been interesting to see that that's only been a focus for Kyrie Irving, but not something discussed with Chris Middleton. Yeah, well, I think we, we the problem is we just don't know it, with Kyrie Irving what his intentions would be. And we also have, I think, you know, the the fact that, again, we've been seeing all across the news that he doesn't want to play with LeBron James, which is you know, run so contrary to most people's sensibilities, right? That like y- you want, you would want guys who want to play with LeBron James, right? <laughs> not, not people who would look at LeBron as a threat or something that you'd want to get away from. And I think that really, I think justifiably bothers people and makes them maybe more distrustful of, of what Kyrie's true intentions are and what he would be like as a teammate. And I think all those things you you have to factor in, right? I mean, and again, that's why you, again, do try to have the back channel conversation or, or understand where the guy would be with, with a potential move here. Right. And, and, um, try to get some sort of read on his personality. Right. Um, so, so I think all that, that is, is relevant, but I, I would also agree. I mean, the whole reason we did this exercise, uh, you know, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago of looking at what, what kind of market there might be for Chris Middleton before the Kyrie Irving, uh, trade demand, um, it was because look, Chris's value is again, maybe it's not as an all time peak because he's coming off an injury. Um, but it's not, 
he would have to be incredible next year for his value to probably go up just because his contract is is sort of in that you know again he's got two years left when he before he can leave after his before he can turn down his player option so um you know the value it, it you have to be you know it's sort of two forces working against each other getting better on the court makes your value go up but you know that that approaching free agency makes your value go down and you have to be incredibly good and and improving a ton to to sort of have that outweigh the proximity to free agency so um so again like i think you can absolutely you should you should absolutely hold against kyrie irving or or be wary of his personality because of what we're seeing in cleveland right now but um you also i think have to be doing your due diligence right and and again as you said or as zach lowe said if you're if the whole point is that you, you need to go acquire you know, your second and or third star. Um, you know, again, there are going to be some Bucks fans who say, well, Jabari Parker could be that guy or Chris Middleton could be that guy. Um, I would say we're probably both on the spectrum of they're probably more charitably third, fourth bananas, just sort of adjusting for risk with Jabari especially um, versus Kyrie Irving, who is, I mean, Again, he obviously needed to be with LeBron to win a championship, but it's hard to look at Kyrie and say he's not a legit number two, right? I mean, he has been a number two. He's won NBA Finals games on his own. Yeah. He, he pro- I mean, he, he's the, the strange player who is probably more valuable in the postseason than he is in the regular season. Yep. Um, and a lot of the reasons why, you know, we have the Derrick Rose conversation, you know, a big, a big reason, a, an area where De- even Derrick Rose might have been valuable is as a guy who late in games could create his own shot. Um, and again, there are ways to solve that problem short of needing to bring in Derrick Rose, but Kyrie Irving is on a different level from certainly current Derrick Rose. And, you know, what he can do, you know, again, yes, you'd be taking the ball out of Giannis's hands to some extent, but, uh, I mean, if if the if, if the issue is the Bucks don't know how to get a bucket late in the game, I mean, you'd have a hard time finding another point guard who's better at it than Kyrie, right? I mean, that that's sort of the the I think the tension, right, of sort of the yeah, Kyrie isn't sort of all he's cracked up to be, but then again, he does help you win basketball games uh, on the margins a great deal as well. He, he's just sort of a fascinating guy. And by the way, I can't believe you didn't mention Costa Kufos potentially opting out next <laughs> summer as uh, a Greek guy that the that Giannis could could recruit. But anyway, I'll, we're, I'll we're what two months away from. A four for fifteen performance in game one from Chris Middleton, where all of Bucks fandom killed him, right? And he but, played well in that game. No, <laughs> I don't just dis- I don't disagree. I came on the yeah. podcast and defended him that night, but all of Bucks fandom killed him and killed him for pretty much exactly what you're saying. He couldn't create that extra offense. He was a step slow, and again, there's a bunch of this stuff that may be injury related, but I think that speaks exactly to that point that, again, there are Kyrie Irving has warts. There's no doubt about it. But in the postseason, that that game plays a little bit. It plays a little bit better. Being able to create your own baskets one-on-one, being able to just create something kind of out of nothing, hit tough shots, all those things play a little bit more in the postseason. And we've seen that time and again from Kyrie Irving that when the Cavs needed baskets, he could go out there and get them for him. So uh, I, I do think, again, that there's certainly a conversation to be had about where Kyrie Irving is in 
the entire ranking of the NBA. Is he a top 10 guy? I don't think so. Is he a top 15 guy? Nah. Is he top 20? Probably. Is he top 25? Yeah, I think so. Like, where is he in this spectrum? And I do think it's funny that Chris Middleton is the guy that we're mentioning in this because so often he's been a part of these conversations except in the opposite direction. That so often Bucks Twitter, and obviously I've been a big part of it because I'm a big Middleton guy, I've been trying to argue for he should be higher than in the top 50. He should be higher than the top four. He should be in that conversation. It's just interesting that both those guys have those weights. Kyrie pulling him down, and with Middleton, it's something pulling him up. And it's just kind of interesting that these would be the two guys that, uh, as we said on Friday, that Middleton's going to have to be the centerpiece of any deal for Kyrie Irving. It's just interesting that those two are the guys that are kind of getting pulled in opposite directions by NBA Twitter and how you value those guys and their skills and how they play in the modern NBA. It's just fascinating that it's those two guys. Yeah, well, and we also haven't seen Kyrie Irving. How how good is Kyrie Irving actually if, if Jason Kidd decides he has to post him up five times a game and he doesn't try to get him to shoot three-pointers? Um <laughs> I mean, but, but but I think that's irrelevant. I mean, we have to say that though because yeah, absolutely. Every year we talk about Chris Middleton, like being, and again, you know, whether it's mostly Jason Kidd and the coaching staff, whether it's the coaching staff wants him to do different stuff and Chris isn't comfortable and he doesn't want to shoot that many threes. You know, it's probably some combination of both. But you look at Chris Middleton's shot chart and you would say, what do you you know? guys you 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 could use him better like he could be even better than he is and and so that's that's also some of the frustration for me watching Middleton because I feel like you could get yeah. more even more out of him than than what the Bucks have now I mean the Watching fact him that on like, the Cavs oh man if, yeah, if I mean, that trade would end up happening he would just be chucking threes yeah I mean the fact that the Bucks especially in the playoffs last year you know the one place you can put your hands on guys is in the post and the fact that that was the Bucks reaction to trying to get Chris Middleton on track you know him watching him just get pushed around in the post and fouled but they're not calling anything i mean it's like okay yeah and watching chris force fadeaway jump shots like yeah that's a great solution for getting chris milton involved anyway don't get me started um so why don't we talk about the conversation today so zach wrote this in his piece and when i saw it i kind of was like no 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 that was my reaction. Yeah. So Zach, I think the the deal that the the hypothetical that you know Zach was sort of running through, like okay, this is what teams could offer the the, the Cavs to at least make them interested or or potentially do a deal. And for the Bucks, and you may remember over the weekend, sort of we the thing we kind of got to was you know sort of the point at which we were like Ugh, like feeling the pain and and sort of getting to that like you know you could tip us either way depending on how we felt and what arguments we made was Chris Brogdon and like a protected first round pick presumably next year. Um, and what Zach said in his column was Chris Brogdon and two unprotected first round picks. And he was pretty and, strong in the podcast too. Yeah. And he, and he basically was like, you know, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the bucks, you, you know, you've bucks fans might say, well, that's too much, but that's fine. You're just not going to get Kyrie Irving, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, not, not, uh, not judging really so much. I don't know if Zach was, and that was and, some good grumpy Zach. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, and Zach, he, he also, I mean, he wasn't, 
he didn't really offer an opinion about whether the Bucks should actually do that, right? I mean, I think he was. I think in the in the story, I mean, he didn't make it seem like it, this was like some no brainer for the Bucks or anything like that. And you know, I don't think he was trying to make us feel bad for. Or any any mention that wasn't something he heard. Like the, right. he was just right. trying to create packages for Kyrie Irving that would make sense. Right, and I think Brian Windhorst was more. Brian Windhorst seemed more in seemed to be more fired up about the idea of a Bucks Cavs trade. I'd agree. Um, and he he threw out the idea of um, Henson for Shumpert as well, which I thought was interesting, right? Because in my head, I kept thinking Shumpert for Delhi is like the other like random salary dump, mm-hmm. new new you know change of scenery type aspect of it, right? Shumpert, especially if you get rid of Middleton, Shumpert's salary is less painful in Milwaukee. And if, especially if they're shipping out Delhi, for instance, getting rid of a you know point guard who might actually probably has more value to Cleveland than the other team in the league. So, um, so I thought it was interesting that he mentioned Henson, uh, citing the the Cavs' lack of rim protection. Which, you know, again, I don't know. I mean, I've been obviously we we I, I'm not going to nope, try to talk. No, nope, I enjoyed it. Nope, nope, he is. He absolutely is. He's a rim <laughs> protector, no doubt about it. So I don't know. I thought I thought it was interesting though that it was at least a. Um, that was at least a topic of conversation. So, I mean, we've obviously kind of tipped our hand here that we we think that's, you know, the, the two unprotected first round pick. I mean, that to me, it's just kind of a non-starter, like just bad things happen when you trade unprotected picks for guys who can leave um, even two years from now and for guys who aren't stone cold locks to make you way, way better. And I think that's the problem, right, is that I think you can easily paint me a picture where even if it was just, even if it's just Brogdon and Middleton, you can easily paint me a picture where the Bucks are. And again, this may be surprising to people, but I can easily see a world where the Bucks actually don't win either any more games or whether you know a world where they're only marginally better, right? And I mentioned that in the last pod that if the Bucks acquired Kyrie, the casual fan is going to go nuts. They're going to sell a bunch of tickets, but with that is going to come expectation that the Bucks are suddenly going to they're, they got a shot now to dethrone LeBron and, you know, they're going to win 55 games, et cetera. Well, Kyrie didn't even win 55 games with LeBron last year, right? He won, he won 51 games. Um, so let's be really careful here before we say that Kyrie Irving is going to suddenly turn to, you know, a superpower or anything like that. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, are, do you feel kind of differently? I mean, when we, when we talk about that sort of, cause, cause that's the thing, right? I, I mean, Zach was dismissive of, of even a, uh, Middleton Brogdon one first round pick offer being enough but I, I don't know I mean again the Cavs don't have to do anything but it seems like what they were implying was that they really intend to do something and it's not to say that's going to be the, be the best offer out there I totally get that I think I think Phoenix could probably make better offers with Bledsoe and some of their younger assets whether it's Josh Jackson or others um I mean, to me, that would seem probably more appealing if I'm Cleveland, just because you replace Kyrie with another kind of top shelf point guard rather than a wing. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling about it? I, I feel like there's. I feel similarly like the Bucks have every chance to be in the conversation, and maybe even do it in a way where they don't give up too much. But um, I'm definitely not like excited about anything because I still feel like it's going to take too much, but I don't know. You never know. Uh, I think I'm relatively unmoved on it. I I'm pretty much in the exact same spot that I was. I I think the, the big thing for me is, and I've I've had a couple of people tweet both of us about this is 
people are interested in wondering why, okay, if you want Middleton and Brogdon, that's clearly win now. You only have LeBron for one more year. Why would first-round picks be interesting to you? And I think there's a really interesting balance that the Cavaliers, if they make this trade, have to strike because you are very much aware that LeBron's only here for a year. Maybe he's here for more, but you don't you don't know that. So you do have to try to do everything that you can to win, but you also have to load up for the future. And when they talk about some of the other packages, I think Andrew Wiggins is has a chance to be a really good player, but also maybe he doesn't. And also maybe he's not totally ready to to be a superstar this upcoming year and also he doesn't really shoot very well from the three-point line uh so i think you have some concerns there and then i know when they're talking about the Suns, there was is josh jackson involved and well okay if he is that's that's great but is he ready to contribute like most rookies are bad like they're just bad basketball players. Whether or not they're stars later on, as rookies, most guys are bad basketball players. So, is he helping there? Is that just kind of ceiling that LeBron's going to leave? And you say, well, you know what? I don't really care because we're going to build for the future. The the balance they have to strike is really difficult. And when you look at guys that can actually contribute this season, and this was something that Brian Windhorst kept coming back to in the podcast, Chris Middleton can do that. And no matter kind of what you think of Malcolm Brogdon's performance in the playoffs, I think you probably believe Malcolm Brogdon can do that. Those are two guys that can contribute. Maybe Brogdon hits a sophomore wall, but that seems unlikely. Like Those are two guys that can contribute night in and night out. And I just don't really see a, a bunch of other packages that have those things. Because even even in the Suns package, it was, what, Jared Dudley? Again, we love duds. I don't know if there there's two bigger fans of the uh, of Jared Dudley in, in the entire world, but at the same time, I think we all know about his foot speed. We we all know about how. I mean, do you want him going up against Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals? I know I wouldn't. That that doesn't sound like a good matchup. So uh, there, I, I again I said it on Friday night. If it is about winning now, I. I just can't really imagine a team that can realistically offer up a better package than the Bucks. And again, I think that probably speaks to how much I think of Chris Middleton and what he does on the floor. Um, and maybe that's a little overestimated and maybe he's a little overvalued because we've seen him all these years and we've seen him improve and we're emotionally invested in his improvement. But I really don't, I really don't know that it, it is too much. It is too much to believe that both Middleton and Brogdon could make that impact. So um, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's really tough to gauge. Uh, I, I would say I'm pretty much unmoved. I think the highest you can go, it's that same spot where we were uncomfortable last last week. It's Middleton, Brogdon, and a protected first. And again, maybe in the current market, that's not going to get it done. Maybe the mo- the market's only going to get even crazier and teams are going to throw in even more stuff, but maybe it also cools down and maybe that gets done. So I don't think my, my price tag has really moved. I think I'm pretty much in uh, the exact same spot that I was on Friday night. Uh, I don't know if I feel any 
any more or less confident that the Bucks are actually a part of this? Because again, the, this was both those guys kind of mentioned that you know this isn't this isn't something that we're hearing, but this is something that we think can make sense. And again, those are two very smart NBA basketball minds, so that does mean something. But that isn't something that they're reporting yet. So um, I. I I don't know. Ha- have you moved at all in in any direction? Honestly, no. I'm I'm still still as conflicted as previously um, with uh, with the, the deal we measured. You know, and I I think I think if you're the Bucks, you know, you, you this is a unique opportunity again, right? I mean, Kyrie is not perfect. You said it well. He has warts, right? Um, and on the one hand, I just I think you have to be realistic about, you know, you have to be realistic about his weaknesses. You also have to be realistic about, well, what do you have on your roster and how are you going to get better? And I think implicit in this for me is that a ceiling that a team that includes Kyrie Irving and Giannis feels like in the long term it has a higher upside, a higher ceiling than a team that has Chris Middleton and Giannis and even even Malcolm Brogdon likely, right? Yep. Um, and, and that that's really kind of what for me sort of why I'm even you know interested in really talking about it and kind of playing around with some of the stuff on the on the periphery. And so I, I think if for the Bucks, like you don't you don't go in hard, you don't go in you know trying to desperately swing for the fences and give up a ton of stuff. I mean, there's no reason to do that because again. You, you give up too much, then you've got very little. Then you're in, you know, then then you're the Knicks, the Carmelo. I mean, again, I don't want to uh, – players totally it very different. But, you know, then you're the Knicks trading too much stuff for Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, you can't win consistently without him. And, granted, the Bucks have Giannis. That is sort of a, a fundamental difference between what a lot of teams, you know, are, have moving forward, right? Because Giannis is – you know, upside and his his impact, I think, is is going to be in a very put him in very exclusive company. Um, but but anyway, I, I think it's at least something that you have to monitor and you have to keep an open dialogue about. You know, I mean, we've seen this alluded to. You know, teams can say, "Oh, come back to us before you make any deal. Come back to us and make sure that you know, we can't give you anything better." I think that's sort of like how you know, again, it, that's how I would approach it if I were the Bucks, right? Um, see what else is out there. You don't want and, and I don't think, I mean, they're not going to, to take the Victor Oladipo to Montes Sabonis offer. I mean, they don't have to, right? This is this is not the Paul George situation. But um, I think you want to be careful. And again, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how many teams out there can make a total knockout offer or, or will be willing to, right? Um, I think the biggest thing you could say, though, whether it's, you know, a team like Denver, a team like Phoenix, those two teams certainly are not are, are more like the Bucks in the sense that they could be appealing to Kyrie because they are up and coming teams where he could win a lot of games and feel like he has ownership of a way of it in a way that he doesn't have in Cleveland with LeBron. Um, you'd have a chance to keep him, but they're also not teams that he has on his list, so they're not teams that necessarily have a ton of assurances that uh, that he'd want to be there long term. So there would be some of that risk, but um, but I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Like we said. Um, I think the the dunked on guys we that I listened to after we did our pod. I think, I think they had Kyrie staying at only I think some also somewhere in like the thirty to forty percent range, which was you know again kind of where where we said as well. It does seem like a deal will happen, and um, you know again I think it's a question of of 
how soon and again just what the price is going to be and with a guy like Kyrie you know I think there is a greater likelihood that somebody just goes nuts and offers a massive package for him versus um, maybe other guys uh, who maybe there's a bit more agreement on how much they're worth but with Kyrie I think he is he is and and this is a compliment with a compliment and maybe not so complimentary of him, but he obviously is a guy that depending on what you see, you can say, eh, you know what? I don't think that guy even helps us that much in the grand scheme of things. Or you could look at him and say, yeah, he's the second star that you need next to Giannis. And, you know, he's the, the he could be that key sort of transition point of taking this team from one that is a cool up and coming team that loses in the first round to a cool up and coming team that suddenly, you can maybe then get one more star to come play for. So, um, so it's interesting. And by, while we're talking about sort of players playing with other stars, um, this only seems to have like the super team thing. I'm I'm trying to think has have have the super teams have any of these super teams involved any foreign players? Like nobody ever seems to go play with Dirk. You know, mm, like yeah, it's no, always so. it's always the Team USA guys. Um, you know, the banana boat being the best example. Um, but it seems to be a Team USA thing, which. You know, returning to our initial point, Giannis is obviously completely outside of that whole conversation. He was never an AAU guy. He's not part of this sort of clique, right? Obviously, he's a great player. People respect him. Um, some people follow him on Instagram. Great. Other star players. But um, but in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't seem to have those relationships with other guys the way, you know, apparently Kyrie has a Jimmy Butler and, um, you know, Wade, LeBron, cp3 apparently cp3 and james harden all those guys seem to have relationships that played a big role in these moves happening so the good news is you know there is no brad stevens who's going to go lure Giannis to another team right who coached him in college um there is no that's true yeah there is no other greek superstar who's going to say come team up with me in miami um the downside is Giannis doesn't necessarily also have those personal relationships with guys to go recruit somebody to come play in Milwaukee. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> become. I don't want to come off as a xenophobe here. I, I mean, I'm just sort of observing, um, you know, what we've seen over the past decade, the types of players who, who have sort of been recruited and and have gone and played with one another. And you know, whether it's coincidence or not, obviously most of the league is still American to begin with, but it does seem like, uh, the team USA sort of buddy, buddy stuff has been a key, um, you know, facilitating aspect of, uh, of a number of these super teams. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe so, so either it's good news that, that Kevin Durant has a, a seemingly an outsized, uh, affinity for Giannis, or maybe it's uh, a bad news. But let's hope your uh, your argument uh, wins the day on that one, Eric. I was trying to think. I, I guess it's because con- what Juan Carlos Navarro signed with Memphis at one point, right? Yeah. To play with Marcus Saul, which I mean is kind of a Spanish super team. Just Juan Carlos Navarro isn't <laughs> isn't Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's he's certainly not Kyrie Irving. He's not. Jimmy Butler, he's not any of those guys. So uh, maybe that doesn't have the same effect. Or I, I was trying to think, who, which are, was there an Argentinian that went to go play with the Spurs? Um, uh, Fabricio Roberto played there, yeah. Um, but yeah, not not so exactly it's, it's moving the, same, the needle like huge front. Yeah, yeah, but I guess again, maybe the the clicks do exist. Just there's just not quite as much basketball talent 
in specific countries around the world. The world as a whole can kind of hold up some of the superstars, but not from specific countries that, that can really compete with the the basketball output of Americans. So, uh, yeah, that we're is- probably we're probably missing somebody. But yeah, I'm uh, anyway, tweet at us if you can think of something other than, you know, there's always been the talk about the, the Kentucky guys wanting to play with yeah. each other. Um, and, and again, I don't think Anthony Davis had much, you know, it's not like Anthony Davis. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins got traded, but I'm, I'm, I, I feel like at least part of the argument for why New Orleans was willing to, to roll the dice on, on DeMarcus was because of the relationship with Anthony Davis. Obviously the fact that they didn't have to give up much was, was probably the, the bigger part of it and that they were desperate. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It does, it seems like for whatever reason, the, um, sort of cross-cultural, stuff hasn't uh hasn't been as important in terms of like drawing guys to uh to to come play for teams i mean lamarcus aldridge went to the spurs he's a texas guy um you know but doesn't really have any i guess other real connection to those guys but um but yeah it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting dynamic so Giannis Giannis doesn't know doesn't know what the rest of of america is like in terms of of actually living there so we got to hope that that he he continues to like Milwaukee and doesn't doesn't get the grasses greener feeling. All right, I think we've uh, we've just about exhausted that topic for today. I have some more thoughts, but I think we can we can save those for another day. They might not be quite as important as these ones uh, that we just shared. So uh, we will be back at another point this week. I'm not sure which day exactly we will record. I know we always have to try to figure out schedules, but we will be back later this week. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks, and we will talk to you later.